Welcome to On The Record, episode 238. Today we sit down with special guest, Naki the Beatman. Music, life, and you style. Art. Listening. You. Music, life, you, and you style. Art. Listening to. On the record. Thank you for joining us today, Naki. Thanks for having me. You're in your hometown. Best weather, whenever the weather's nice. Local food joint and music starting to play. Where are you? When? What are you eating? And what music is playing in the background? It's Chicago. Summertime. About 75, 80 degrees. At Home Run In Pizza. (laughs) One of the best pizza joints in the city of Chicago. Nice. And music comes on. It's Boys to Men. Jodeci, all the R&B groups of the 90s and 2000s. Nice. If your music or your sound that you produce were a color, what color would that be? It would probably be fuchsia. It's a color either you like or you don't. (laughs) It's a color that it's uh, hard for some people to pronounce. It's very eclectic. Yeah. And so that's what my style is. If you had to build a team of music superheroes, and this was a team that you would build with, Mm -hmm. who would those people be in your squad of five? I would have to go with Prince, Quincy Jones, Kurt Cobain, and last, I would have to say, mm, it's tough, man, David Foster. Nice. Hey, that goes to show you the color of fuchsia. Oh, yeah. I love it all. That's an eclectic mix right there. I love every style of music. One of the most driven, passionate people for music that I've encountered. Somebody that is not only good at what they do, but they stay hungry and they stay active and they stay trying to figure out a way to continue to build. It just shows the type of work ethic Mm -hmm. in the music industry that you have. You know, there's a lot of people that want to break into the industry, but just live in their head. Right. You know, And, and there's a very few people that know how to make it tangible. Exactly. You know, name one instrument that best describes your sound right now. I'll, I'll probably have to say like a synthesizer. I love synths. Okay. I love synths. I love moogs. Just anything that's like, you know, sonically pitchy. Yeah. You know, that you can tweak sounds and m- manipulate them. Yeah. You know, I like that. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're using traditional instruments like guitars or even like, you know, some of the, um, you know, woodwind instruments or strings, you can't really manipulate the sound, you know, but when you're doing like, synths and different things of that nature you can tweak them you can change them you can you can just you know you can just make a different color of 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 what it's already putting out there Naki, um, now that we got to know a little bit of uh, the outside, let's try to dive in into more of a um, personal place of music for you. Growing up on the west side of Chicago, you know, a lot of people say they're from Chicago, but they stay in different suburbs. But I was actually on the west side of Chicago. And my inspiration came when I was in the sixth grade, my mom used to play records every morning before she got up to go to work. Every morning I would hear a variety of music from the Bee Gees to Barry White, um, from Barry White to the Jackson 5, Casey and the Sunshine Band. She used to have these like 45 records. They call yeah. 45, yeah. you know the vinyl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to have those and she had a lot of them. So every morning I would hear her playing certain songs. So I knew it was time to get up. Like, oh, I got to get up for school because mom playing music. But the more and more she did that, the more and more I started liking the songs. I started to sing the songs. I started to 
you know, try to research the artists at the library to see what I can find on them. This was before, you know, people had computers in their home. I'm not trying to date myself, but, yeah. you know, it was kind of <laughs> like, you know, it was like I started to research the artists just to see who they are and, and things of that nature. And then I got curious about music, you know, because I wanted to know how does he sing like that? How does he make the music like that? And then my brothers, I have two brothers, uh, older brothers, and they used to have a singing group called TMT. So now I got my mom upstairs playing music (laughs) in the morning. Then I come home from school, and I got my brother in his room next door to me with his group singing, harmony. They were singing. It was TMT. It was Tyrone, Mike, and Terry. That was the group. There you go. And they used to be cold on the harmonies. They would sing like Shy Lights. Um, They would sing Earth, Wind, and Fire records. Uh, uh, Just so many different records. And as I'm trying to study, I just had to listen. So sometimes I would open the door and just to listen to them. Then they would start doing like New Edition and, and stuff like that. And so with my mom's influence and my brother's influence, then I can't forget about my dad. My dad also was a musician. He played um, trumpet and he played uh, saxophone. Actually, he played for the U.S. Army. So he okay. would he would do like um, when they would send people to go entertain different troops. He was in a band. He would go to do the entertaining. And so he used to play his instrument, too, at home. So I had all these things around me. And that's what got me curious into music. And so in seventh grade, we started a rap group. It was a rap and singing group. And it wasn't nobody doing that at the time, but we decided to do that. And from seventh grade, it just emerged to me wanting to know more and more and more and to learn more. So your your mother liked to sing or she just loved appreciating music? My mother was a, a painter. She uh, would do these sketches and paint stuff every day, all day, and sell paintings like a lot. And... Um, that was her. That was her. You know, artistic thing. You come from a household of artists, yes. of, me, of of people that appreciate art. Yep. All right. So take us through that epiphany moment in which the significance of music in your life was presented. That moment when that fire ignited for you to be a part of music. Well, the moment was when I think the record was by this artist named Percy Sledge, and the record is called Slip Away. Now, Percy Sledge kind of reminds me of a, a Tyrone Davis. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, yeah. with those artists yeah. that like blues. Right. And the passion in Percy Sledge's voice when he said this part called Slip Away, it was a basically a relationship song. This is before I, I paid attention to lyrics, but I was wondering why is this man sounding like that? You know, why is he sound like he's crying, like he's like mm-hmm. begging for something? And so as I started to pay attention to the lyrics, I started to say, oh, he's losing his girl. He's losing his wife, yeah, his girlfriend or whatever right, it is. Right. And he don't want to see it slip away. So I thought that was the most compelling thing I ever heard in my life to see how this man is like begging this woman to not leave him. And so I just said, man, you know, maybe I can write something like that. Or maybe I can, you know, do some stuff like that. So I started like writing every day, you know, little songs, man, just like, you know, little, little stuff. And I was writing them. And as I started writing them in seventh grade, we wanted to put this group together. We were doing covers of other people's stuff, but then we would add a rap to it. That's like okay. our own. Like we, yeah, you know, yeah, we, we yeah. gonna we gonna we gonna throw a rap on it. I don't know if you remember the uh, group Shy. Yeah. Ever fall in love yes, again? Yeah. Yeah. I was in about seventh grade when that came out. We added a rap to it, and there one of our guys beatbox 
like slow. You know, it was like it was four of us in the group. The group was called Just Us. It was like I presented my music to them. I said, look, why, you know, we doing we, we doing these talent shows. We should do an original song. Nobody was feeling the original songs at first because they like, ah, people going to laugh at us. Like, How we going to write the song? We don't have no songs. I got a book right here of lyrics. Yeah. Let's get together and let's present a song for our talent show that we had at school. And so we did that. We didn't win the talent show. We lost to um, uh, some dancers. But we came in second place, and that was great for us because now we knew we had some. And it's just like, you know, you know what your passion is if you would do it for free. Yes. If you're not worried about getting paid for it, you're not worried about the check, and you just get pure enjoyment out of doing it, that's your passion. That's your yes. calling. A lot of people, like I always tell the story that my dad, he carried mail for 32 years because he had to provide and feed his family. I sit back and look at the jobs that you and I have, and I see people complaining around here, you know, <laughs> like, man, like, oh, and I'm thinking, like, you can be, I mean, my father wasn't in no office. He wasn't have a suit on. He was on the street. Every day for 32 years, up and downstairs, putting mail in, this and that. People just don't understand how blessed they are to be in an environment where you can create every day. Yes. And so, I mean, that, that's where it all kicked off for me. Have you ever pursued or thought about pursuing music training or music education? Did you ever enroll in any class? It doesn't make you better or worse of a musician. I personally believe that if you know that it's your calling and you know that music is what it is, you will work on that craft right. until it gets right. None of the greats studied music. Right. Um, Prince, he learned to play instruments himself. Michael Jackson, he was born to sing I don't know if you know this group called, you know Nirvana, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Foo Fighters, right? Yes. Dave Grohl. Yes. Doesn't read music at all. Yeah. <laughs> I went to school. I, I learned some things in music, some theory stuff and, you know, some instrument stuff when I was in college. But I had a wealth of knowledge before I went to college because I was always trying to figure out how or why how is this done like just like even like um with learning how to record myself this guy i was uh eighth grade this guy that my brother used to play basketball with his name larry hill he was in the music business i didn't know how he was in the music business but i kept begging my brother like yo can you introduce us to the larry guy could you introduce us to the Larry guy? He never did it. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. All. Okay, I'm hooking up. So one day, my group and I, we went to this park. It's called Austin Town Hall. And we watching them play. Now, Larry had to be like, I'm going to say he was in his, like, 40s. Okay. He had a full beard, like, gray, a little fro. He was grown. He was dropping them <laughs> off. I mean, he was like, he was a great player. I, yeah. I was watching him post people up. He got his knee pads on, his... uh. His his uh, uh tank top and his shorts, the thigh high shorts, you know, old school shorts. <laughs> yeah. But he was killing them, man. Yeah. And we watching this guy play, and we trying to get an opportunity to to like sing for him and to rap mm -hmm. for him. And uh, once the game was over, my brother called us over and he introduced us. And so we sang for him. We sang um, in the still of the night. Mm. And uh, it just had everybody at the park like stopping and looking, like who is this? little cats up here blowing like that and so larry took some interest in us and he gave me my first four track my first beat machine and he gave me a few other pieces of microphone and stuff and he said look i want you to learn how to use this stuff he said this yeah. stuff been sitting in my garage we don't use it but you could probably make some demos with your group so he gave it to me and so i sat in my mama's dining room Night after night after night trying to learn how to, you know, record, learn how to make beats. And this was the time I had a drum machine when you laid down the beat to the tape. There was no quantizing. 
there was no uh, looping. So I had to play thing three minutes all the way through. Yeah. And if yeah. I mess up, I had to stop and keep going until right. I got everything the way I wanted it when I was making beats. And I started learning that. And then I started wow. recording my group on four track. And then I learned how to take everything from one through three and bust it down to four so you can have more tracks. So yeah. he was able to do that. And that was to him. I still talk to him to this day. I still do stuff for him because, you know, he he's um, one of the persons who really, like, took interest and believed in me at a younger age. So you learned how to make beats handmade. Oh, yeah. Like, you legit I, did I, this, like... I struggled, bro. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just imagine, you know, I, I think I looped uh, Teddy Pendergrass TKO. That was one uh -huh. of my first samples, and we was going to sing and rap over that. And I had to keep playing the sample. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. To hit it again. <laughs> All the way through for three minutes so we could have that long space. Then I would go back and I would add piano over it and things like that. Then I bust everything down to track four, and now I got a full track. That's there you go, Naki the beat man. Yeah. Any challenges you encountered or continue to encounter in your pursuit and process of making music? Some of the challenges that I had to deal with is that everybody's in the same category. When it comes down to producers and songwriters, everybody's in the same category. And sometimes it's political to the point where they don't pick the best record or they don't pick the best producer um, or the best writer because of... X, Y, and Z has a contract with A, B, and C. We can't use EFG because of that. Even though EFG got a hit, mm -hmm. we can't use the hit because we're obligated to use their hits. And sometimes people suffer because of politics. I mean, that has happened a lot. Also, um, you have people that will um, give you an opportunity, but in turn, you have to give them something. And mainly it's like, okay, if I get this record placed, I want half of the publishing right. or I want half of the advance or whatever. I mean, right. you got to do what you got to do to right. get in the door. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's all bad because I guarantee you if uh, Kanye West asked you right now, hey, man, give me that song. I'm going to take all the publishing, but I'm going to give you the credit. I will do it in a heartbeat because the credit is what gets you to the next level. Right. It's a business at um, the end of the day. I've done a lot of free stuff for people. And they gave me the credit and the credit got me paid because of somebody else said, hey, I want a song like this that you did for such and such. Um, case in point, I have some friends, they go by the name of the interns, Two and Cosign. They're from Chicago. They produced uh, Rihanna's Birthday Cake. They produced um, Nicki Minaj's um, Anaconda. And they did a whole bunch of other stuff. They did um, some Trey Song stuff. They did a lot of records. They did Marsha Ambrosius album. They did like executive producer and did some songs on that for free. They told me, they said, look, we doing her stuff for free because we want the credit, you know. And then once they did that and they smoked it, now this new kid on RCA comes, his name is Ro James. Ro James said, hey, I want what you gave Marsha Ambrosius. And you know what they said? Okay, but it's going to cost you this. Boom. They got paid for what they did. And they did some great records on his uh, project too. It's not all about the money. It's not all about the fame. It's about the credit and it's about relationships. Yep. That's the way that the game works. Yep. It really is about holding on to as much credibility, as much reputation as possible, because mm -hmm. that can open the door. Yep. Opportunities can happen. We could be, we're doing this interview right now. Somebody can walk in and provide an opportunity. Yeah. You just never know. I mean, right. it, it happens and it's like, you just got to live in the moment for one 
and you got to be smart about the moment yep. for two. You know, you just can't bypass an opportunity because we don't know what lies next. Right. That is right. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you have thought about giving up on your dreams, on your musical endeavors? There's been plenty of moments. There's been plenty of moments where, I mean, I've had some lows, man. I mean, I, I started a, um, an entertainment company. I had a couple artists. I used to push artists. And when you get artists to a certain point where somebody's about to sign them and somebody wants to sign them because they love the music, and then the artist dropped the ball, everything that you worked for is now voided because they dropped the ball. Something that you have no control over as a production company, management, or whatever, you did your part. But if the artist dropped the ball, which that's something that happened to me twice, I had three artists, one artist I got signed to EMI Capital, and we got paid. We They did a buyout, so they paid us back the money that we spent. But we lost on the last two artists, but we had them set up nice. I mean, I mean, nice, bro. I mean, they all they had to do was do the damn show and yeah. do a killer show. And when they flopped at the show, people was like, mm, I don't know if this is the right fit. Because at that time, 360 deals were becoming popular. Okay. So... A 360 deal, if you don't know what that is, that means the labels get a part of everything. They get a part of your merchandising, your touring, your um, streaming, whatever whatever the hell it is. It ain't just we getting the record. We getting a part of everything. Mm -hmm. So performances were very important to labels because they know in order for you to get booked, you got to be a great performer. In order for us to get a check off that show, you got to kill it. So we had some incidents, man, where it just didn't work out. The artist didn't do a good job at that time. And... You know, everything just, the bottom fell out of everything. And so you got to start over. So that's the reason why I don't push artists anymore. And I'm pushing myself as the artist, like a DJ Khaled, where I would produce it and I would co-write it. And I'll feature, you know, like the Sunshine song. I'll feature people on it because I know I'm not going to shortchange me. I know I don't have to be on the stage and do dancing and uh <laughs> you know i don't have to be in video shape or you know the performance uh, right you i don't have not. to do none of that you know what i'm nope. saying i leave that to the people who do that right. you know what i'm saying i think that was the best move for us because now we put out this record sunshine and it's it's growing it's it's already over thirty three thousand views on youtube in two months and um you know a lot of djs are supporting it and people saying they listen to it every day and i mean it's you know so now we're looking at grammy nomination yeah we trying to take it there with this one yeah and what has been the most satisfying moment to date in your career knowing that i can still do music without an artist knowing that i don't need an artist signed to me to make a hit record i can collaborate with other artists that are just as hungry as me and we can put some music out and we can all eat together so it makes more sense than signing somebody and investing so much money into this thing that may not work versus just saying hey y'all let's get together and make a song and put it out these are the splits we getting this that and the third we're gonna sell it are we gonna do it for free what y'all wanna do all right we all on the same page boom everybody use their network to make the record pop that's one of the reasons why indie bands pop quicker than a solo artist because if you got five members in the indie band everybody has a responsibility you got one person that's handling the touring 
like booking all the shows, one person is handling social media, one person handling the travel, one person handling this, one per- So if you right. got five people working towards the same cause, you're going to get there faster yep. than just one person trying to do everything. The independent thing is popular right now. Yeah, it is. You know, I, it's one of those things where either you want to put in the work and go independent or you have the instant gratification mentality. It can happen if you got the talent, you got the yeah. look, you got the, the people, it can happen. But it comes with a huge prize that people don't realize. It does. And I just think that uh, no one can do anything alone. Yeah. Um, especially in this business, you're going to need help. Um, I was always told if you're doing so many things, nothing is getting 100%. You know what I'm saying? If you 25%, you're doing this, 25%, 25%, you split that down four ways. It's like you at turtle pace, bro. Yeah. You you ain't going to make it to the finish line no time soon. Right. You may get that, but it'll probably be 2028 by the time yeah. you get that. Everything unchanged by then. Right. So, you know, you just have to focus and you have to figure out what you're good at, what you're strong at, what you're weak at. You can never have the two without the one. You always got to get that one thing you're great at first. And once you conquer that, then you could do two, three, four and five if time permits. But you always got to have that one before two. A lot of people try to do stuff too many times. They say, oh, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a great rapper, but now I want to sing too and tap dance. It's like, right. okay, now your shit about to drop because right. guess what? Them lyrics ain't strong enough because what? You tap dancing and you're trying to sing. You're, you're trying to do too much. <laughs> you trying to do too much. It's like do what you do great. Conquer that. Right. Like Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. He did what he did. He conquered R&B and blues. Then he said, I want to do country. Then I want to do jazz. I want to do that. You can do that now because guess what? Yeah, you've established you yourself. Established it. Perfect advice right there. Now, any advice for any producers wanting to break into the business? I will say the only advice that I can give is try to be unique with your sound. Try not to follow the trends. But if you do follow the trends, try to be distinctive at what you're doing to, you know, to get in that trend or whatever. Like, I don't know if people remember the song um, Feds Watching that Pharrell did for 2 Chains. Oh, it was trapped out, but you still knew Pharrell did it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I look up to people like Timberland and Pharrell and even like Dr. Dre. People don't really give Dr. Dre the props that's owed to him. This man was able to take one sound that he did with N.W.A. and change it when he went to death row to something totally different than he'd been producing all his life. And so only a genius to me is able to have two sounds that you're known for. You know what I'm saying? The same music that Timberland produced when he was hot with Aaliyah still kind of sound like the Timberland that he's doing today. Mm-hmm. Same with the Neptunes. But if you look at N.W.A. versus Death Row, it's like night and day. You know what I'm saying? Two different sounds by one guy. Oh, and, and you know, another person is um, Quincy Jones. Yeah, Quincy Jones in 1985, he produced uh, the Frank Sinatra Live album. Played the music on it all that but then same year he did michael jackson's thriller songs on michael jackson's thriller so you see what i'm saying it's like he was able to do one style one sound over here but when he did another sound over here and it's one guy so those two guys to me i will consider uh my elite producers of all time if you could go back in time and give a younger version of you advice about this music journey that you're on what would that advice be don't push artists and push yourself Bam, simple and to the point. So that's the way it is. You got to put yourself first. You got to. You have to do that. You have been listening to On the Record with special guest Naki the Beatman on episode 238. Tell us, Naki, where people can find you on social media. I'm located everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, and it's Naki the Beatman. It's all one word, N-A-K-I, 
T-H-E-B-E-A-T-M-A-N. That's my handle, and it's, it's, it's everywhere on all social platforms. I like the fact that you're coming to a whole different state, and, and you've already uh, put something out there that incorporates the new place you're living in. Yeah, I just feel like it's important to uh, utilize what you have. Yeah. You know, there's no, I mean, I, I got a person on there that's from New York. I have a person on there that's three people that's on the record from Chicago. And it doesn't make sense to, <laughs> you know, let's go to his city and go to this city and shoot it. It's just, you just utilize what you have, man. San Francisco is beautiful. Let's make use of it. Naki, thank you for being here in our studios. Before you leave, put us on some game. What albums, songs, or artists are you listening to right now that you would recommend people go listen to? Uh, right now I'm listening to Sunshine, Nakita Beatman. There you Let go. Check that out. <laughs> uh, right now I'm listening to uh, Big Sean's I Decide. I think that's um, probably the best rap album of the year that just came. I know the year just started, but uh, it's top release. Um, you can listen to that, that album when you work out. Uh, back before there's no skips i'm also listening to uh i listen to a tribe called quest their new project is really dope um travis scott all his stuff is dope i listen to him a lot i listen to a lot of j cole um that's it that's what's all i listen to thank you for listening to on the record episode 238 if you are digging the episode and you have something to say please let me know i'm on twitter at kid ninja you can also comment here below thank you for listening to on the record